Welcome to the Fresh RN Podcast. The information contained in this podcast is meant to supplement your existing knowledge and not replace it. Always refer to your state board of nursing, standards of care, and respective institutions' policies to guide your practice. All identifying patient details have been changed to protect their privacy and remain compliant with the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996. Thanks, nurses. Stay fresh. Are you a sacred cow? <laughs> Does your A line with <laughs> oh, I wonder what that way <laughs> It would probably go back and forth. So yeah, we're having like a technical issue in there. <laughs> What's up guys? Welcome to the Fresh RN Podcast. I am Katie Cleaver. And I am Melissa Stafford. Thank you for joining us today. We have a wonderful guest here, Sean Dent. What's up? What's up, everyone? <laughs> so um, real quick at the beginning of the episode, because we are going to talk real deep into ICU devices. Um, can you explain um, your background and your clinical role right now? Uh, I'm an old nurse, older nurse. Wait. <laughs> Seasoned. Seasoned. Are you a sacred cow? <laughs> <laughs> I am a seasoned nurse of 13 plus years. Um, I've been in the ICU my entire career, except for about three to three to six months, where I tried working in orthopedics, and it was a big, big no. So I've spent my 99% of my career in the ICU. Uh, about five, seven years ago, I went back to school and got my bachelor's, and then went on to my master's. I am now on my fifth year as an acute care nurse practitioner. I work in a system that I provide critical care services to um, all of the ICUs inside the hospital. So I actually have the opportunity to treat um, just about every ICU patient you can think of from medical ICU all the way up and including um, CVICU. So this is the perfect person to interview for ICU devices. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I've had a little experience. Right. So we're going to talk some specific devices going from more common to less or maybe less serious to more serious. So let's talk art lines. You got a brand new nurse that's never dealt with an art line before. What are some of the big um, uh, never do, always do, when are you, when do you freak out? Same thing as that I've recommended before is to understand why the patient is needing it because it's not a permanent device, it's a temporary device. So the sooner you can get it out, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, Patients can need it for as long as they need it, um, and it's usually because their hemodynamics are compromised in some way that they need an invasive monitoring. So, short version is that a art line gives you continuous monitoring of their arterial pressure versus you know a cuff pressure which is intermittent and not as accurate. Um, if I had to give any tips on what not to do with an art line, it would be to not check it on a daily basis or shift basis. Checking to make sure that it actually is doing the job it's supposed to do. Once again, looking at the patient, looking at the insertion site, looking at where it is because you can have an art line that could be in the radial art line, you can have a brachial art line, you can have an axial art line, you can have a femoral art line. You need to check all those sites to make sure that there isn't something off. And most commonly, radial. Radial art lines are the most common. They're the, the, they're guess they're the easiest Um, you got to look at circulation of the limb or the site around it because once again you just put a catheter into somebody's artery so you have 
compromise the circulation of that vessel in some way. So you put a plastic piece of PVC into mm -hmm. someone's artery. Mm -hmm. Keep that in mind every time you manipulate it because you can actually lacerate somebody's artery if you're not paying attention to what you're doing. Um, so you want to assess the actual limb or the insertion site. Is there some sort of circulatory compromise? As Melissa pointed out, is their skin blue in some way, shape, or form? Is it black? Does it look reddened, infected in some way? It's pretty self-explanatory. We as nurses can assess for infection. Is it red? Is it puffy? Does it hurt? But most A-lines hurt, so I guess that's a horrible... Yeah, they, they look very... I've never had one, but they look very yeah, uncomfortable. It's a horrible assessment, but not, not, I don't know many awake patients that think A-lines are comfortable. Mm -hmm. So um, that would probably be the most important thing, is looking at the insertion site. And then going from the patient to the monitor, you need to assess the function of the actual equipment. Is it working appropriately? Meaning, is the, are all the lines and all the circuits and all the systems doing what they're supposed to be doing is the is the pressure bag pumped is up the pressure, is the pressure bag pumped up is the is, is the tubing not kinked are the are the the three-way stopcocks are they open or closed appropriately um, if you use a vamp is that open or closed mm -hmm. is that is that uh, stopcock in the appropriate position one of the ones i've seen too is that you you have your pressure bag and then you kind of forget to make sure there's enough fluid in the pressure bag because mm -hmm. I mean it goes in very slow bag, yeah. but after a little while it's like I, I'm like starting my shift I'm like I gotta turn change this right now like I don't have much time before most of the places I've worked there's usually you have to uh, exchange the system every I think three days maybe four yeah ours is four but yeah, it does so it you does gotta, yeah so um, you usually gotta you know assess the circuitry, the system, and then you have to change out the tubing and or change out the bag. But Which yeah. takes a second. You can't yeah, do that really, super fast. You really that's and if you screw that up, it's like that's going straight into their artery. Oh yeah, you, you can't. Really you have to be, pay attention to how you do that. Yeah, you could actually exsanguinate your patient. <laughs> yeah, it's not like regular old IV tubing. It's no, it's different, even though better, it looks very similar. If you've never done it before, ask for help. Don't yeah. even try and do it by yourself. Do Don't, not try. Do not. Um, and if things are don't look appropriate, just ask for help. Yeah. Um, because everybody has to be taught a couple times before you can feel comfortable with an A line. I did too. Like I remember, I was I had to draw some labs off of an art line. When once you know how to do that, it's like it's very easy to draw labs off of an art line. But I could not remember how to do it, and I had been shown like six times. I remember. I don't know if I asked you or a couple other people. Like I apologize. I know you have explained this to me, but I do not <laughs> want to access this system and do it wrong. Can you can you walk through this with me again? So don't be above that. Like you've got to ask. You're not getting blood return. I mean, there's an issue with the line itself. Too. Oh yes. I mean, you should get readily. You should be able to readily get blood return. Oh, I love seeing art line blood return. <laughs> oh, that's like that beautiful flash of bright red blood in that chamber. Like, ah! <laughs> see, and I get happy. That's the one time that I like drawing blood cultures if they've got an A line. Yes, yes! Oh, yeah. so I right there. draw that <laughs> right now. So yeah, make sure that they're the the balloon the um. The pressure bag is pumped up appropriately because if, if the pressure bag is not pumped up appropriately, then you don't have pressure, mm -hmm. so it's not going to work. Um, you're trickling three cc's of um, normal saline into the artery um, to maintain a specific pressure. We're not going to go into the details of the circuitry in the system, but you want to make sure you have adequate fluid mm -hmm. and adequate pressure. And then go to the monitor yes. and look at the actual quality of the waveform. There's things called, do you have a whip in your 
in your wave? Do you have a dampened wave? Do you have a nene? Do does your A line whip and nene? <laughs> oh, I wonder what that waveform would look like. <laughs> it would probably go back and forth. Like and all that means <laughs> is is it overcorrecting or undercorrecting someone's actual blood pressure? So you never just treat a number. Mm. So you're 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 doing invasive hemodynamics. So hemodynamics are an ever-changing, fluctuating piece of, of information. So your A-line is always going to go up and down, up and down, up and down, depending on what's going on. But the quality of the waveform is what matters the most. It doesn't matter if the pressure is 250 over 110. If you have a whip in your A-line, or you could have it dampened, although that would be interesting pressure to have with a dampened A-line, mm -hmm. um, you're either overcorrecting or undercorrecting, and that has to do with the communication from the monitor to the patient. So you have to assess from wall to patient and figure out if something is off. Um, we could go into the specifics about dampened versus whipped, but it has to do with just is the equipment working the way it's supposed to work? Mm -hmm. And the way to detect that is by doing the square wave test, which if you work in ICU, that is one of the basic um, skills that you're going to learn mm -hmm. when assessing the, the function of an A-line. And it's just a matter of doing a quick um, pressure change, utilizing the pigtail on your um, pressure bag just to see if fluid goes in and goes out quickly. Meaning is the flow of the tubing and the flow of the actual catheter patent and working the way it's supposed to. Boom. I love it. Um, so one of the things I wanted to talk about too is, so you got the number on the, the screen. Should you be checking that with um, a regular blood pressure cuff? If so, where and how often? Patient, it's very patient specific. So there are certain patient populations and clinical presentations where you don't want to do cuff pressures because they're going to be completely inaccurate no matter what you do, mm -hmm. which is the nature of having the A-line. Someone who is severely third spacing, someone who is severely obese, or someone who is very cachectic. Cuff pressures are inaccurate, you know, and that's a whole other conversation. But you can use it to compare. So if you're interested in getting rid of the A-line, mm -hmm. you definitely need to start checking cuff pressures because you need to have some sort of correlation. A-line should correlate with a cuff pressure. Strongly use the word should <laughs> um, because they usually don't. But there should be some variance, and you should be cognizant of the variance, meaning that is your A-line higher or lower than your cuff pressure? You need to have that in the back of your mind so that when you get rid of the A-line, you know ahead of time that that cuffer is going to be falsely elevated or going to be falsely lowered. When to discontinue the A-line is completely up to you and your team. So you should discontinue it as soon as possible, and that's the answer is that an A-line should come out whenever it can. The sooner it comes out, the better, because it is an opportunity for infection, it is an opportunity for injury, and it is an opportunity for all kinds of wrong things mm -hmm. to happen. The least of which is pain, the worst of which is... Bleeding out. Yeah, you could either exsanguinate or your patient could lose a limb mm -hmm. yeah. from ischemia. For me, too, it's like... To, that's one of the scarier devices to me just because it's it's right in someone's artery. So if you've got that patient that maybe doesn't understand what's going on or whatever, or just even a simple, honest accident, and that thing gets dislodged and comes out, you got blood hitting a wall. Mm -hmm. So it's like that, to me, I'm like, are we getting it out yet? Like, I would love to discontinue that at the beginning of my shift, and I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, the, the 
just making sure your connections are tight. Mm -hmm. um, seasoned ICU nurses have all experienced it where you walk into the patient's room and the connection between the catheter and the first set of tubing was a little loose and you didn't realize that. And when you come back in, there's a pool of blood either in the bed or on the floor or on the patient. And all of a sudden you just, eh, they just lost 100 cc's of blood. That kind of matters. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> so, matters. Yeah, it's really um, important. Yeah, so make sure your connections are um, appropriate. Mm -hmm. so. yeah, and I, I want to mention too that, you know, the A-line has to be leveled appropriately also for you to get an accurate blood pressure. Mm -hmm. So if your transducer for your A-line is laying on the floor or you've got it raised high because you were given a bath and now you've got the bed lower position and now your, your transducer is too high, you're not going to get a good pressure. So, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, the flebostatic access is a real point where you're supposed to level your transducers to. So just bear in mind that important yeah and, and two like you know if you're if you've got a patient on drips and you're titrating drips off mm -hmm. of that at off of that pressure from the art line it is imperative that you're ensuring that that is accurate mm -hmm. you don't just say, oh they're they're whatever so I'm gonna change my drip no make sure you got to make sure your connections are good you got to make sure your transducer is where it's supposed to be before you're changing medications based off of that and sometimes you know I think a lot of families and just a quick tip um, you know a lot of families and patients know to not bother nurses when they're giving meds, but they don't always connect that when you're working with equipment. Mm -hmm. They don't realize that me messing with this arterial line impacts how I give this medication and how much of it. Um, and I've had times where I have to let the family know, hey, um, I would love to chat. Give me a second while I'm, I'm mm -hmm. focusing on this, this device. So, all right, so let's go to some different kinds of fluid monitoring devices. Um, real quick, uh, one that's kind of on the way out, CVP should be on the way out, CVP for fluid resuscitation. <laughs> in that in that regard, um, there's also NICOM um, and whatnot. So, any any tips for those kinds of things? Hemodynamic monitoring 101. Know the why, why you're doing it, and how it's working. So, you need to have a good, solid foundation of anatomy and physiology, and where the catheter is, and what the catheter is measuring. Um, CVP is part of a central line that is measuring um, fluid volume status and it's, it's measuring central venous pressure. So traditionally, in most cases, the catheter is sitting somewhere in the SVC, which is just above your right atrium. Now, we could talk about the location and differences in pressures between your right atrium and your SVC, but ultimately, you're just looking at what many of us will understand to be preload. So you're looking at fluid volume status. CVP is up for interpretation, and that's probably the best way to describe that. Yeah. Is that there is no normal. There is what we like to call trends. So you're looking at a response to a therapy. You're not looking at an absolute number. So just because someone's CVP is 22 doesn't mean that they're overloaded. And someone with a CVP of 2 doesn't mean that they're dehydrated it means that you need to further investigate. So I would just caution you to understand why you're using a CVP. Mm -hmm. Many people don't even believe in CVPs anymore because yeah. you have other ways to assess and to intervene. CVP is just another tool in the toolbox mm -hmm. and you can appreciate its need and its importance um, in certain patient 
clinical presentation. And so. when, you're, when you're starting to measure fluid volume status, that um, um, you know, with these different uh, devices, it um, it's get, get, this is getting complicated. Like pretty, you know, we're measuring stroke volume, cardiac output, and basing therapies and evaluating things off of that. Like we're getting complicated. Like just so you guys know, it's not like first day you're supposed to be able to like quickly get a, a stroke volume and calculate this and this and this. Like this is just so you know, this, this is, is this is advanced stuff. Um, so keeping that in mind, um, you know, because it's important to evaluate these kinds of things to know if what you're doing is working. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think that's the big thing. Um, was there anything else you guys wanted to? Well, so a CVP can be just through a central line, just your standard central line. Um, traditionally, you could look at it as a, you know, an IJ, um, they call them um, central venous catheters, CVCs, mm -hmm. and they can be all over the body. Um, and we can link to our, C we have a episode on central line, so we can link to that in our show notes, so you guys have that. Um, and you can measure CVP through um, a Swan-Gans catheter or what they call a PA catheter. And that's as far as we'll take that, but a PA catheter is something that actually sits in your pulmonary artery and can measure all kinds of wonderful things through your hemodynamic um, and your cardiac cycle. But the short version is, is that a CVP is just a piece of a monitoring tool that you can use when you're assessing your patient's hemodynamic status. Sounds good. All right, let's chat cooling devices real quick. Um, one I'm most familiar with is the Arctic Sun. Um, and w any practical tips for those? Um, I know they're very expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's very expensive. So um, know how the equipment works. Basically know how to troubleshoot when there's alarms going off. Um, a lot of times it has to do with connections and a lot of times it has to do with pressure um, and it really is dependent on where the catheter is on the patient's body. Um, the catheter most, that's measuring the temperature? Yeah. Okay. So the catheter could be in your, your groin in the femoral vein, but you can also, in some cases, they can be subclavian. They can also be um, in your internal jugular. They're not ideal there, but they can happen there. Um, and they're completely dependent on pressure and position. So um, really, yeah, so cooling devices, I mean, those are very, very specialized. Mm -hmm. um, so unless you are working on a unit where you're using it very often, you're using it for um, someone who's having refractory fevers or someone who's done uh, post-cardiac arrests, mm -hmm. things like that. That code cool kind of situation. Mm -hmm. You're doing hypothermia protocols, what mm -hmm. they call TTM mm -hmm. protocol now. Um, TT, what does that stand for? Oh, targeted, targeted temp yep, targeted, temp targeted temperature management. Yeah. It's just another cool acronym because you know we love acronyms. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> just another cool acronym to talk about hypothermia protocol, and that could boggle it. Just you could get lost in conversations about that. But from a device perspective, just understand how to troubleshoot the actual device. And mm -hmm. as Katie pointed out, there's different devices out there. Like we have a cool guard. Mm -hmm. no, different brands it's just, yeah, it's just and they, different brands and how you well, set and them you can, you can cool somebody with an internal device you can cool somebody with an external device so I don't know what the cool guard is but you know like Arctic Sun is you're putting pads on top of the patient's skin oh, okay. and cooling them that way yeah so, so yeah. we just use good old fashioned like cooling blanket <laughs> yeah we, we have, have that too. we have yeah. that and it's it's yeah and you have a monitor that you can go but into our, Foley yeah but yeah. our targeted temperature management protocol for like post cardiac arrest yeah. is Arctic Sun, um, and that's just the device. That's not, you know, that's not specifically a. Um, there, there are other devices out there, but um, 
the in, internally is through some sort of catheter itself. So it's just different. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we're gonna have to. Do you want to use my battery? Wrap up here. Mm -hmm. Do you have a USB? Yeah. All right. You yeah. Probably use it. So yeah, we're having like a technical issue in that <laughs> my computer is gonna die, but I want to talk more. Let's see if I thought I had plenty of battery. All right, thank you guys so much for listening and us chatting about some arterial lines and uh, fluid monitoring and all that fun stuff. Um, basically, at the end of the day, with your uh, uh, devices, you got to look at the patient, you got to look at the connections, you got to know your policies and your procedures. So, thank you guys so much for listening and stay fresh. Damn crowd better hit the floor All the other fellas better run for the door Stop, drop, and roll with me I got the heat that'll make you scream